You're listening to Selfish the Podcast. This is the place where we make much ado about you. I'm your host, Allie Martin. Thanks for joining me. Ever since I met Lee Weinrob several years ago, I have been captivated by her energy and quiet confidence. With even just the audio, I have a suspicion you'll feel the same way. Thank you so much for talking with me today, Lee. Thank you for having me. So first, tell us about yourself. Wow, how much time do we have on this? (laughs) I could talk for hours. Um, But I'll give you little snippets of my story that will catch you up to the woman I am today. Um, Little Lee, four years old, fell madly in love with playing tennis. I remember the day my parents took me from my first lesson and the coach had me just sort of balance a tennis ball on my racket. And I remember it vividly thinking it was the coolest feeling just to be able to balance that fuzzy ball and then picking up the ball in the hopper and surely, slowly but surely I got into developing some real skills and just became quickly obsessed with playing tennis and Steffi Graf was my idol and that was what I was on a mission to do. And that led me to playing competitive collegiate tennis with the dream of one day getting to Wimbledon. Unfortunately that did not happen um, for all sorts of reasons, but I had this incredible experience of training as an athlete and very much respected the need to, to master my brain uh, and control my mind to help me win in the body. And I had you know, great coaches along the way who taught me a lot about sports performance and sports psychology. And that began my fascination with understanding human behavior, human motivation, which led me to grad school to study psychology. It also led me to doing a lot of competitive coaching. I coached at Dartmouth. I coached at Northwestern. I coached a pro for a while and um, realized more than ever that it was it was understanding the psychology of each unique human being that was what I wanted to sort of commit my life to understanding and inspiring in people. And after studying very traditional, a lot of Freudian analysis and Jungian theory, lots of theories in grad school and writing lots of papers. I realized that what I wanted to do was take clients outdoors and take them for walks instead of sitting in an office on a couch. And I started this company. I was probably about 25, 26. I started a company, um, despite the fact that everyone around me thought what I was doing was very out of the box and risky, but I was on a mission. I was going to start this company mind in motion and I was going to, get clients to lace up their sneakers and to take walks with me. And I did this in Chicago along Michigan Avenue and Lakeshore drive and it was freezing, but quickly thereafter realized that the walking piece was so tremendous in therapeutically helping people. Um, just self-consciousness went down. People felt like they were solving their problems by doing something about it instead of just talking about it. Every single person I was working with, was benefiting from the, the the chemical endorphin release and the physiological win of just being in motion in nature 
looking at different visuals. This mind in motion brand kept growing and I started working with athletes and um, executives. I started doing a lot of speaking and in the midst of all this, one of the things that I became excited about was like, I, I wanted to teach these clients and these students to help themselves. That became my thing is how do I help this person become dependent on themselves and remind themselves to practice skills that they needed and wanted so badly. So I took a Sharpie one day, I wrote the word breathe upside down on one of my tennis players shirts. And I told her, don't worry about the win or loss. Just go out there, look within, remember to breathe and you will, you will impress yourself. You will do it. And I became known as the coach who wrote the upside down word. And all my students, all my clients loved this one word cue, one word reminder, kind of just narrowed the chaos in their brain. And that began the journey of starting a clothing company. And the entire clothing company is all based on the philosophy of simplification, the importance of looking within to remind yourself actionable processes that will grow confidence. And that brings me to sort of modern times. Lee today is doing a lot of walking and talking with amazing clients. I love that part of my work. I get to speak to amazing companies and groups about my philosophies and this very active approach to therapeutic interventions and practical tools on how to be your best self. And it is, in, it is a challenge every day to figure out how to get people to think differently about fashion and active wear. And I love it. And I love seeing yeah, every customer's faces when they realize why the word's upside down and they read my manifestos and they're, they're moved. And that's a lot of what I'm doing today. And that's a lot of my passion. But I mean, your manifestos are so powerful. Um, that's what I love that you have this clothing line that does support, you know, really where you got started and what you believe in from the core. Um, and that just complements your your business. But um, tell us about this new project that you're working on called the Strength Project. That is definitely the mission that I am most on fire about. When I, when I started to see that these, these words, uh, these manifestos and the concept of my apparel was truly having effect on people and people were telling me, you know, that they busted out my shirt. And in fact, it did remind them to take a couple of deep breaths and it did help them get focused and they love sort of the sentiment and the energy behind the brand. It occurred to me, especially since I had gone through a period of time of having a lot of loved ones deal with the diagnosis of cancer and the horrifying challenges that come with a cancer diagnosis and or any other illness, it had occurred to me that those people on those dark days need these reminders the most. And I was initially thinking, wow, I'd love to change the face of a patient's experience. And I'd love to literally totally redesign a hospital gown. I I wanted to go in to hospitals and write manifestos on the curtains and, you know, on the sheets and on the walls, just because I believe so strongly that when the mind is, is focusing on and conscious of positive words, 
you are going to increase the chances of having positive emotions, which inevitably can create healing and strength. So I, after several meetings with different hospitals and just talking with lots of different friends and supporters, it had occurred to me that putting my manifesto on a blanket, which is a universal product that people People on their dark days need, they need the warmth, something amazingly comforting about a blanket. Um, and it would be an amazing gift from, from a friend or family member. I, I wrote several different manifestos, which is one of my favorite things to do, just sitting and getting in a headspace where I write powerful messages. And I created two different manifestos, one that ended in the word strength upside down and one that ended in, in the concept of having unbreakable spirit. And I made these blankets and sure enough, people started talking about them and buying them and loving them and being touched by them. And in the last year or probably year and a half, we've partnered with several cancer organizations helping us wrap cancer patients in these blankets. Uh, we've had several individuals by the act of grace and love, um, they have donated a large amount of these blankets to different infusion labs and hospitals. I had an amazing woman donate a very large amount of money to make 2,000 blankets to be gifted to Memorial Sloan Kettering Hospital. On and on, we, we, we are continuing to try to seek out different organizations, foundations, that will help us get these to the people who need them more than ever. And, and while initially the, the, the main drive for me, just because of what I have dealt with in my life with family members was cancer, it has be, become a blanket for you know, a parent to give to a child, sending them off to college, to someone dealing with the symptoms of MS and needing strength every day, to someone going through divorce, uh, to all the mental health problems out there, which are unbelievably common. And this, the messages on these blankets are pretty universal because life can be oftentimes very difficult and we need these words. Oh, Lee, I love that. I mean, and that, it, again, it goes back to really what you at the core truly believe and what you're looking to do. So I think this is a great compliment to what you've been able to accomplish um, and so switch, switching gears a little bit, um, I think we do have to share this right off the bat. Um, you have appeared in multiple episodes of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. So I have to hear, what was that experience like? Uh, it seems as though of all my life, life's work and accomplishments, the one that people know the most and ask me about the most is my work <laughs> with the Kardashians. Um, and... I have yet to see all those episodes, although one time recently I was on an airplane and I looked over and saw someone watching one of the episodes I was in, no and I was way. shocked to see it. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, and yeah, I had an amazing opportunity to meet initially with Courtney and Scott when they were dealing with some relational struggles and got to know the family and was on a couple of different episodes. I took a walk with Bruce Jenner. And I've met Chris and I met Chloe and predominantly was on the show working with Courtney. And I will say that they are actually wonderful people. And uh, it was a cool opportunity for me to get to meet many of them on several occasions. The work that I have done with them is obviously totally confidential. That's what makes it therapeutic. Um, 
but they are incredibly hard working people and they are truly innovative entrepreneurs who have created quite an empire and like anyone else they have struggles cuz life 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 challenges will not um will, will always uh, present themselves in every person's life no matter what mm-hmm. who they are um and i give them credit for dealing with their issues head on and embracing the process of therapy so something you talk a lot about lee is taking your mental couch to the curb so talk to us about what that means to you and and how we do that so sort of going back to the initial story i was telling because probably my life as an athlete and just being a very probably more of a hyper neurotic active human that likes to move around i i always found that i solved my mental struggles my anxiety, my my dark, depressive feelings, the demons in my head, I solved those through moving my body. Uh, whether it was, you know, smacking a tennis ball or going out for a run or going out for a hike or doing a hot yoga class, it was it was the movement of the body that solved a lot of the mental ruminations. And when I initially started I started doing therapy, very traditional therapy, like in a beautiful office that I had spent an arm and a leg decorating to make it just have that perfect therapeutic appearance, that beautiful couch. And while I do think that sitting and chilling on a couch or a chair and having a deep conversation and and, and an empathic dialogue is incredibly valuable, I had so many sessions with clients where I felt like this person needs to get up and do something to help themselves. And I knew that getting up off the couch would just in an instant change their chemistry. And so I I think I may have come up with the term years ago, like kick your mental couch to the curb. And it was basically this just idea of if, if all you did to help yourself was throw on a pair of sneakers and, you know, hit, hit the ground running or take, you know, head out to the walking path, that alone is the beginning of solving your own problems. And it, the uh, kick your mental couch to the curb, carry your mental couch to the curb. I, I do a talk around the country called carry your mental couch to the curb, all about helping yourself get out of your own way. And that line also is one of the lines in my manifesto uh, on all of the apparel as well. So in your experience with working with with your clients and and really motivating them to take action. What seems to be that biggest roadblock that holds people back from doing that themselves? It's such a great question. Um, And, you know, we probably could have 20 more conversations about this because it's, it's such a multi-layered answer. But if I'm going to give you a very simple answer, which oftentimes less is more and simple is the key to figuring out the answers and I, I actually ask this question to the thousands of people I meet every year, essentially asking them, you know, what's the biggest obstacle that's keeping you from your greatness? There are a variety of answers, but if you scrape to the root of all of the answers, the answer is always going to be around fear. Fear is mm. the universal roadblock to for all of us. It's just that each person develops their own unique, intricate system to coping 
with the fear and they develop a lot of defense mechanisms and psychological strategies, coping strategies from very early on in their life to deal with that fear. And fear, fear is, it's inevitable. You can't avoid it and you've got to learn how to cope with it. So in many ways, the coping strategies we develop, they work for us. We need them. We need psychological skin. But over the span of time, you begin to realize that many of those defense strategies are no longer effective. And, you know, I would say if I looked even more closely at the fear, like what, what is the exact fear people have? I could reduce it to the fear of interpersonal rejection of sorts, kind of a relational loss, which initially starts as a kid, it starts off with, am I going to be loved and valued by my parents? Because I need, I need my caretakers to love on me to be okay. And I don't want to disappoint them. And it's scary to be rejected or not accepted or not valued within your own family. And then it becomes your friends and the community and your colleagues. But ultimately, we are all linked by the fact that we don't want to be rejected. We don't want to lose our interpersonal value. So we do things to compensate for that. Um, and I, I would say this links to all the things that I do. Every single person I talk to, they don't necessarily say it like this, but I would say they're all connected in this way. You know, people, people worry about external judgment. You won't survive unless you worry about it to some degree because your survival is based on the fact that you're a social creature and people worry all the time about what other people are going to think about them. Very consumed with external judgments, external opinions. And I have made my life's work be to teach people how to get in touch with, well, instead of worrying about what other people think, why don't you get really clear on what you think of you? And why don't you get really clear on how you're going to behave in ways that you would judge yourself positively on. So my whole entire brand that's about looking within, my whole practice that's about teaching people um, these actions, these processes, it, it's all centered around you gotta, you gotta live, you gotta walk the walk, you've gotta look within to identify your value set, and you've gotta go and do those things that mean something to you, and slowly but surely you will care less and less about the external judgments of you. You will, you will not get to the point where you don't care at all, because you kind of need to, but you will care so much more about how you see yourself, and people will feel that in you. Mm. So I have to ask, because I, I just, my mind just thinks this would be the toughest part about your job, but is it, difficult to not be weighed down by your client's struggles and the, the pain that they're going through and they, you know, wrap you up in it? I mean, is that, is that hard to draw that line and not be affected by it personally? You know, that seems to be a common question. And, and I will answer you completely genuinely that I barely ever, I, I'm not sure if I've ever had moments where my sessions, my time with people has, have, have dragged me down. In fact, I feel like when I'm working with people and they're, they have the courage to share some of their most vulnerable sides of themselves and stories, 
there's something so inspiring about it mm-hmm. and so meaningful about it. My, my sessions to me are a gift. They're profound. They give me an opportunity to connect to people on such a deep level. Of course, I've had conversations that are incredibly sad and deeply painful and life has painful elements and, and, and suffering and challenges that they're heavy. But the fact that I get to process it with a person leaves me hopeful that, that I get to give the gift of listening, uh, that I get to give the gift of helping them. And in turn, they're touching my life by their courage to sharing. I've never once walked away and felt like, Oh my God, I, you know, I just want to curl up in a ball because I'm, this is weighing me down. I felt, I felt like I want to show up more and I want to help more people in some ways. I think it totally kind of restores my excitement to be even more giving. Um, I, I live my life to give. I, I, I want to inspire other people to do the same. And in many ways, when I'm done working with people, I feel like, okay, Lee, look in the mirror. You got to step up too. And don't be a hypocrite. So it, it, calls me to higher ground as well. And I think through some of the more painful, heavy sessions, there's growth, there's growth to be experienced. And I value that. Um, that's a great, so. way to, that's a great way to think about it. And I think for you, that means you're in the right job. That means you're doing what you are meant to do. Um, I do. I do believe that this is what I was born to do for sure. And I, I credit a lot of that. Maybe a lot of it is just my nature. I was, I was that kid at the dinner table asking the question, why, 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 why this, why that? Mm-hmm. I was just a curious kid. But I would say I also am very fortunate to have had parents who were deeply compassionate and empathic. And my mother was a psychiatric nurse, and I found her whole journey to be really interesting and she had an, an intuition and a sensitivity that has will always be a part of my life. It is like a fabric woven into my soul. And I hope that my legacy will be correlated to how many lives I've touched and how many people I've inspired to go do the same. Absolutely. So talk to us about the negative misconceptions out there about being selfish and actually taking time to focus on yourself. You know, where does that, where do we draw that line as in focusing on ourselves is a good thing and yeah. we, we should, like you said, look within. Um, this is a great, great topic um, and very correlated to what you do. I am definitely an advocate. If, if you were a fly on the wall in many of my sessions, I am constantly telling people that there is uh a much needed space for people to be healthily selfish. And in fact, it's kind of like when you go on an airplane and they tell you to put your own oxygen mask on first. I so believe in that because if you don't take care of yourself, there's going to be a whole lot less for you to be giving to the loved ones in your life. Uh, And I think it's hard for people to practice that. Um, Obviously I would say that the negative connotation would be that one's selfishness comes with a disregard for other people, an insensitivity or a lacking of um, care and empathy for others. 
And I would say it's completely opposite that if you learn the, the skill and you prioritize self-care, self-nurturing, self-compassion practices that truly make you feel you know, strong and grounded, that is a necessity for you to then be able to go and offer the best of yourself to the world um, or to the world that you exist in. Um, and the world kind of needs us at our best or else we're all just going to be draining and depleted. I think it's one of those concepts that's really hard to teach people in practical application. You'll, most people will admit, yeah, 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 I agree with you that being selfish and taking care of myself is so important, but they're not doing it enough. They say they need to, they say they want to, they say they agree, but they haven't quite a consistent practice in it. Mm-hmm. I also think to get, and this gets a little psychologically deep, but that's what I love to do. Um, I think it gets to the core of what I said earlier about fear that, you know, we have such a fear about not being accepted, loved, liked. We have such a fear around, you know, am I going to thrive as a social creature? And our, our focus on being accepted by others and well-regarded and liked by others. It's a big buzzword right now. We want to be liked by others. Mm. Puts so much of the focus on doing all these things for the people outside of us, trying to impress people outside of us, giving to people outside of us, which can sometimes be a really good thing. But the point is that the focus and the locus of control is external and I would encourage people to reverse that their lens on that because when you start off with a, a, an internal looking within selfish nurturing um, and a really kind of accurate self prioritization, you fill yourself up, you connect with yourself, you're mindful, you're grounded, then you have got endless resources to then gift to the world but I think that our, our barometer is a little off on this and we tend to go in the reverse direction. Um, we give, 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 cause we want to be well received by others. And then we realize we're so depleted, um, and it backfires on us. Hmm. So Lee, what are your favorite ways to be selfish? <laughs> you should be having this talk with my family and friends. They tell you lots of different <laughs> ways. Um, <laughs> I would say, well, first of all, I, as I said, I, I do practice what I preach. Every single word that I've ever written in a mantra or on my uh, line of clothing, I really do wake up and practice them. I'm very ritualistic. I would say almost every day, if not every day, within the first hour to two hours of being awake, I am going to move my body. That's a non-negotiable. Some days I can do it for 20 minutes. Some days I can do it for an hour, but it's pretty much a guarantee that I'm going to do that. And other people may want my time and energy, but I know that if I move my body within the first hour or two and I get a sweat, I am taking care of myself in a way that the people around me, they would probably prefer hanging out with me after that one selfish hour (laughs) because it totally heals me um, and, and invigorates me. I... 
am a huge believer in massage. And I would say that's another one of those like non-negotiables. I treat myself. I, I don't question the, the, the cost of the massage. I think it really helps my body just recover. I am a huge foodie. I absolutely love cooking great food, having a garden, dining at great places, drinking fabulous wine and savoring every sip of it. And that's one of those things, like if you were to witness my life on a weekly basis, you'd see that I, I tend to be pretty selfish in, in my preparation and my nurturing my body with certain food. I've gotten somewhat better at drawing lines on my social media and cell phone dysfunction, and I'm working on that. I would say I'm a work in progress. Uh, of all of the things in my life that I think I probably struggle with, it's it's the tendency to reach for my phone too frequently mm-hmm. and respond and respond and respond, and I think it can be oftentimes inefficient and draining. And I would say an area that I need to work on being more selfish is sliding off the phone and disconnecting more at appropriate times and being more in the moment, whether it's, you know, out hiking or being with my family. Um, And that is definitely one of those selfish spots that I need to hone. Is there anything that you wish you could be doing more? I, I stated earlier that this strength project, if, if I could dream up the next year or two or three or 10 of my life, I would love to be putting my energy into this strength project. And I would love to be out there having more personal interaction with people dealing with very difficult struggles in life from, from, illness to abuse to, to mental health struggles. And I would not only like to be wrapping them in the words on the blanket, but I'd love to be having much more personal interaction with them to help inspire them, to help themselves and empower them to practice these virtues. Uh, and that's, that's what keeps me up at night and wakes me up in the morning is probably the the dream of taking this this strength project and this initiative to more and more people. I'd love to be traveling traveling the globe and taking these blankets in every language known to man to as many people as possible. What is next for Lee? What is next for Lee? Ah, uh, I don't know. Maybe my own TV show. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think. Personally, yeah, I, I started off this company with the, the dream of getting people to think differently about, you know, what is therapeutic? It's not just talking in a room. It's taking, it's taking the ideas of a therapeutic process into reality. It's get, putting it into motion. And uh, I, I've seen the positive effects of the simplicity of a walk and talk. And I have a lot of cool ideas about taking this idea of movement to, to groups. And if anyone out there has heard of the Camino de Santiago, it's a very famous pilgrimage and millions of people have taken it. I I'd love to take the concept of this walk and talk 
and get, you know, hundreds, thousands, millions of people walking and talking with each other. I'd love to grow that walk and talk um, initiative. I would love to personally travel and see more of the world. I've been so busy. I was one of those people who just was on a bandwagon for achieving high levels of career success. And I'd love to enjoy my life and travel and see more of the world and explore tons of wineries and maybe go on like a cool trip to explore how they make bourbon since I'm fascinated with that. Um, and maybe find some more work-life balance, but definitely, you know, go on a mission to grow this strength project. I'd love to see, I really would love to see the concept of this apparel spreading, uh, changing, changing the way young girls think about how they dress, um, kind of revamping our perception of fashion and style. And, you know, I think, I think not to take it big, big scale, but I think that our world right now is struggling. I think our world is really struggling. And I think there are a lot of people in a lot of pain with a lot of fear. Um, I think Instagram and social media has a, and it has had a big effect on how we spend our time. And while it may seem like we are more connected than ever, uh, I think that we are a very, very disconnected society. And I would love to, I, I would love for, you know, next up for Lee, next couple of years of my life to be a contributor in really generating deep eye to eye, shoulder to shoulder connection amongst communities um, and peers in the world. I'd love, I'd love to help the world you know, simplify and get into nature and have genuine connection, slow down. We're not racing against the clock and I would like to improve the quality of connection over the quantity of connection in our world right now. I mean, if anybody can do it, it's you. Um... <laughs> Thank you for always being a huge fan from day one. You have been awesome to me and I really, really appreciate your support and, and encouragement. It means more to me than you know. Well, Lee, I think your work is incredible and I truly feel like you can move mountains. So, um, I really appreciate you talking with us today and you know, when you want to come see that bourbon being made, you come on out to Kentucky and I'll show you around, but I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you so much. Uh, that is one yes. of my bucket items and, and Kentucky is on the top of my list and I am going to come find you. Have a great day. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Selfish. You can find show notes on SelfishThePodcast.com. If you like what you hear, please tell a friend about Selfish and make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.